Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. The Phil Hay Show. Welcome to the show. The Phil Hay Show brought to you by The Athletic and The Square Ball. Dan and Michael here from The Square Ball. No Phil Hay from The Athletic this week. He's off because it's the Easter holidays. Instead, we have Hayden Evans, not of The Athletic, but we'll explain uh, Hayden's bona fides in a minute. Just a quick reminder that you can subscribe to The Athletic via theathletic.com forward slash leads pod to check out all Phil's pre and post match coverage, interact with the man himself, and uh, you can get all these podcasts ad free as well via The Athletic app. That's theathletic.com forward slash leads pod. So Hayden, rather than us introducing you, you've been on before, but for the benefit of anybody who's not been, uh, not familiar with what you've done before on this show, who are you? What do you do? Yeah, great to be with you again. Uh, I think first and foremost, I'm a Leeds United fanatic, home and away season ticket holder. I've been for more years than I care to remember. So, you know, that's my most important credential. But uh, other than that, yeah, um, Football agent, uh, we we are we're an agency out of Leeds, and I'm heavily involved with the City Talking production company. Who some people might know, you know, we made um, Take Us Home one and two, and Rangers seventy two, various other movies, really sports related. Uh, and your clients then at the minute, you've got um, Charlie Creswell, Archie yeah. Gray, Jamie Shacks, yeah, Chris Moore, and some of the other youngsters at Leeds, really. Andy Gray and and Richard Cresswell are. are fundamental part of the agency now um, so there's a real, there's a real uh, lads and dads feel to it yeah there is there is as it happens other than my lad who, who never made it so <laughs> uh, we'll get on to your work if we can in the middle bit of the, of the podcast because we are here to talk about Leeds you're a Leeds fan as you said first and foremost we are off the back of a 5-1 home defeat to Crystal Palace did you see that coming I don't think we saw it coming no just like everybody else you know went in a little bit subdued at half time thinking how are we only drawing the game uh, because I think, you know, we, we absolutely battered them. And then soft goal came out already buoyant for the second half, thinking, no, this will be all right. Repeat the first half and we're away. We've got the three points we need. And then just couldn't believe what I was watching. I mean, it was just surreal. But what do you think caused that? I don't know. I You know, I mean, there's all this talk about, you know, a couple or two or three of them rowing at half time. But even if they did, I don't understand how that would end up being such a such a crazy turnaround you know yeah I mean there's fallouts in dressing rooms all the time you know? yeah you can't put that much testosterone and young men together without it being yeah, happening can you yeah I, th- I think you know and sometimes it's good so I don't know I, re- I really don't understand it and I, I is it just one of those freakish you know 40 minutes or so that you you can't account for you you don't know what's gone on and you have to just pick yourselves up and go again what have you made of, of Javi Gracias so far then and, and the job he's done up, up to? Should we exclude that as a thing for now and just say his general run up to that point? Yeah, I think that's that's why it's a huge disappointment because for me, he's done everything right. I don't, I, you know, I have I've no criticism. I think we needed a calmness, you know, and we needed uh, a polar opposite to Marsh, you know, ranting and raving and talking like he did after games or whatever. And I think we got that. 
in, in Grassi. I think he, you know, he says enough, just what, what needs to be said is said and seems to just want to get on with his job. Other than that ridiculous half, the lads seem to have responded, that's for sure. You know, I think, I think you know, they, they've looked a lot more buoyant, they, they've looked like they want it. And then again, the boring aspect that we've all covered is that, you know, we play with width. It's it's more enjoyable to watch, you know, and our wingers can get involved. So, all in all, I think he's done well. Not a fan of Marsh then? It, it seems to be not for me. the tone that you're adopting. Why not? I just, you know, again, I'm, I'm sure it, it, this is cliched. Uh, I'm sure, in fact, I know that, it, you know, he's a really nice guy. I sort of get that. But I think, you know, to try and play the way that he did with the squad we had and the individual talents that we had, all that was happening really is we were suppressing a lot of that talent by asking them to play a certain way and, you know, the, the narrowness, um, you know, affected us. And it just got to the point where if we did get beat, you didn't really, I think most Leeds fans, certainly me, I didn't care what he had to say about it because what he was saying was the same after every single game. You know, it was sort of rhetoric instead of addressing the issues and just being up front with them. So, yeah, I, th- I think he just... He was past his sell-by date, really, for us. When it comes to, let's say, players losing faith in a manager, and I'm, I don't mean specifically Marsh, just in a, in, a, in a broad sense, you know, you deal with players via the agency. Will they come back to you and say, oh, "Just this, this isn't working, I don't like what X or Y is asking me to do? And that could apply for Bielsa as much as it could for, for Marsh. Yeah, it applies to all, all clubs, all managers. You know, players are just like any human being. You know, if you think you've got something that can add value, to the end objective, which is winning games and, and you know, surviving in our case and in other cases at, at bigger clubs, winning titles and, and medals and all the rest of it. If you think you've got something valuable to contribute, but the man in charge, the man that you're relying on to give you the minutes just doesn't see it, then it creates a problem. So, yeah, we, we get that from time to time. And I think the balance for us is you just sit back and say logically, right, Without you, is that team picking up points, winning and, and reaching their objectives? If it is, there's nothing we or you can do about it. You've just got to get your head down and graft and try and get back in. If they're losing week on week without you being in it and, and the attributes you can bring, then there's something to discuss. But there is a balance. As someone who wasn't sold on Marsh, would you have made the change at the end of last season, earlier this season? When we did, when when would have been the right point, you think, to have, have pulled the plug on it? I think we've shown that you have to be ruthless. You know, as a club, you know, as club owners, management, whatever title you want to give them, nowadays more than ever, you have to be pretty ruthless. So we, we were very ruthless in terms of the way that Bielsa left. They'd made their decision and, and made the chop. I think the same should have applied to Jesse, really. I know you always want to give people more time. Again, that's there's morals involved as well as everything else. But we, you know, we weren't going anywhere, and I think there was an ideal opportunity because there was a big break for the World Cup. And if you were going to make changes, it's sort of logistically, sensibly, in every other way, you were either deciding at that point you were sticking with him throughout, no matter what, for the rest of the season, or you were getting rid. In the end, we ended up with a bit, bit of of both really you know we stood by him and then it was inevitable that he had to go at the time that he went Would you have put him in in the first place? I didn't know enough about you know when he came I didn't know enough about him to make a judgement call really his CV for me didn't warrant managing our club 
you know, I don't think there were any achievements in there that were particularly spectacular. You're going to have to be one hell of a, a manager as well as a person to appease the uproar of, of Bielsa going after what he did for the club. So I actually feel sorry for Marsh in terms of the timing of it all for him. But I wonder if club football's the intensity that's, that is not right for him. You know, I could see him as a, a really good national team coach, USA in particular. They, they would love his PR stuff. They would love the way he conducts his business. And I think the players in the US would respond to him and they've got a World Cup. So, yeah, I mean, it's I think that's the job that he should have. What were your expectations going into this season? Because I was never sold on Marsh last season, it's fair to say. But I actually thought the summer acquisitions all look fairly sensible and I thought we'd be all right this year. I thought it probably won't be thrilling to watch. It'll be a bit narrow. It'll be a bit direct. Not particularly to my taste, but I thought with the players we'd brought in I thought they'd suit his system and I thought we'd probably end up about mid-table. So I, I was personally a bit surprised how badly it went. Yeah, I I mean, I was, um, mind you, I, you know, for 40-odd years, I've always thought we're going to go really well at the beginning of the season. <laughs> but but at the time, yeah, you know, I, I, you have the discussions in the pubs or whatever and, and I was always, right at the beginning, I was saying, oh, I fancy us for 10th. You know, I, I thought we'd be in that, not top 10 as such, but 10th, to 12, somewhere around there. And yes, some are looked good. No complaints really about the the signings and things like that. In terms of turning up and watching them, I I wasn't particularly excited about that because I just didn't like the type of football we were playing. I mean, we're four points off mid-table. That's the funny thing, isn't it? It goes to show the fine margins that exist within football about getting it right and getting it wrong. It's crazy, isn't it? I I mean, it's typical of us really that, that, you know, we sat there four points off mid-table but there's any one of six clubs that could go down or more. So it's 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 just ridiculously tight. So why do you think culturally Javi Gracia fits perhaps better than Marsh did? I think that you know, you've got to look at the club as a whole and you know the fan base as well as the players because uh, we've proved time and time again that, that there's a lot of power in that 12th man you know if they're behind everything that's happening. So I think it's the contrast that appeals to everybody right now. We were tired of the rhetoric. We were tired of press conferences that took three quarters of an hour instead of 10, 15 minutes like they should. I think the players in turn, you know, you were looking at some of your most exciting players, i.e. wingers, which are naturally exciting, not being played or, or, or inverted, as, as they like to talk about. And, and all of that changed you know, pretty instantly, you know, the minute he came and you're thinking, oh, yeah, th- this is quite good. You know, he's, he's, he's just telling us what we need to know. So I think the fans have, have, have bought most of it and the players definitely have reacted well, other than this that ridiculous 45 minutes. How do you think the fans would have reacted if Gracia had been the successor to Bielsa rather than Marsh if, you, if he'd never come to the club? I think it would have come over as a master plan. <laughs> I think... It would have been thought of, yeah, he's a natural successor and they've thought long and hard about that. Uh, you know, he seems to have similar philosophies and everything else. So I think you could have easily pushed that out as, oh, this is his natural successor. This is this is why we want him here. You know, he will continue the good work that, that Bielsa had but, and probably be more pragmatic in defence, not leak as many goals until we suddenly get... <laughs> beat 5-1 by Palace I feel like the sales pitch we were given on Marsh 
has gone some way to eroding trust in the the board as well because we were sold it as this is a natural successor. He's his style of play will fit perfectly with the players we've got with the the energy that Bielsa's teams played with. And actually, it just we drifted. The longer he was in charge, the more we drifted from Bielsa's system. Other than a lot of ultimately pointless running, which is what we, what we seem to be doing at the end. It was charging around, but without any particular plan at the end of it. So yeah. I, I, I'm, I feel like it was um, it was bad on the pitch, and I feel like it's probably not helped off the pitch stuff either, hasn't it, Marsh appointment? Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, we've gone some, from sort of being everybody's second favourite team, which was a very unusual feeling for us, uh, and, a, and a real big feel-good. Also, a lot of patience when we were getting battered, which we did under Bielsa, but there was still patience there. And it's, it got to the point of being completely toxic, really. You know, that that Forest away game, it all spilled over, you know, both on the terraces and in every way. Um, so, yeah, I think Garcia seems to be the calm after the storm, you know, and that's, that's what we needed. Do you think he's damaged his own chances of getting the job permanently with what happened against Palace? Or is it... Is it too small a sample size? I personally hope not. I think, you know, you, you've got to take it, you've got to take a view. It, it depends how he and they react from this point forward. If we're suddenly now running around like headless chickens, you know, and, and not wanting to put our foot in and giving up, which is a, an awful thing to say about pro footballers. I don't think they ever personally give up, but it just looked like that in that half. So it depends how they react. Um, it'll be a good test for him, to be honest. It, it, we'll, we'll see how much substance there is. We'll talk about Liverpool in just a bit. Do you think he's banked some credit along the way so far? Have he? I feel like he has. Like you said, I think the sense of calm can't be underestimated versus what we had before. Because I look back to Marsh talking about the players being stressed trying to execute his system. And it feels like up until half-time against Palace that a lot of that stress had dissipated. Yeah, we keep saying discount in that half. But you can't though, can you? No, no. That's you know the, the players have responded well to him generally. The only, the only thing you've got is to also account for was is Roy Hodgson because I said to I said to people before that the minute they made that appointment for me they was they were suddenly not ones that were going to be in that fight with us. Really, because a lot of people saw it as almost a joke appointment. I, you know, I did, I desperately didn't want Roy Hodgson to be appointed to Palace because I knew that the the players would respond really well to him. Players love the fella. Palace as a as a club, revere him. You, you just knew that that's a proper lifty spirits appointment, even temporarily. They had a much easier running though, don't they? Do or you know, on paper, it looked like they had a, a fairly favourable running versus some of the other teams down there. Yeah, but it, again, it, that could still all go wrong with the wrong temporary appointment. It's always such a such a gamble that you know appointment to the end of the season. I just felt that knowing him and, and people within the game love him and trust him that he was going to give them that lift. To contrast that then, how did you feel when Jesse Marsh was linked with the Southampton and Leicester jobs? Because I think we, as much as we've been desperate for, to keep Bielsa away from the Premier League since he left Leeds, when I saw Marsh being linked with those jobs, I thought, yeah, go on then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I dare you. Yeah, being facetious, I think most <laughs> of us did. Well, with regards to the other clubs that are down there, it's it's no coincidence, is it, that we've got a, a whole raft of temporary managers or managerial changes that are stuck down there at the um, at the bottom. And thinking about Leicester, who've just put Dean Smith in, and what do you, what do you make of their situation, Southampton's situation, and, and 
those at the clubs around the bottom? I, I honestly think they're in a lot worse position than us. I, I genuinely do. And that includes Everton. I think overall, I think we've, we might not have the best individual squad, but I, I think we've got the best squad to keep us up. I think, I think the way that they have been playing, again, other than the Palace half, but generally, I think we're better equipped. I fancy us to stay up. I think there's three worse sides than us, definitely. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. To the work aspect of it then, and we'll start with the agency if we can, Charlie Cresswell, Jamie Shackleton, Archie Gray, the three biggest names that people will be aware of from a Leeds point of view. Should we start with Cressy and what's been a bit of a, a mixed fortune sort of season for him at Millwall he, he found himself in there at the start and kind of drifted out played his way back in again and now he's hurt his eye where, where is he? Yeah so I, um, I mean he's been flying to be honest and um, all the reasons that we, that we felt it was a good loan deal have, had materialised you know he's, I think he's won two three player of the months you know in the last three three months obviously England under 21s his form's been excellent and the outside interest has escalated as we thought it would. Then obviously gets the, the damage to the eye. So right now, I believe, I think he um, the op was due. He was going to have an op yesterday if he needed it. But it was a bad injury. The big hope for, for him and Crazy is that he's available for the under-21s European Championships this summer. There was a lot of noise about, um, about Charlie potentially leaving Leeds permanently in January. Did we come close to that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, at that time, there were no real objections from Leeds if the right price was found. I think that may have changed, though. Um, you know, because obviously, there's a new manager. Uh, you know, they tend to want everybody in pre-season so they can make their own assessments. And, you know, Charlie's form as you know, he's doing what we know he's capable of. I mean, he's he's gonna not going to be... He is a top player, you know, and... Uh, there's always there's always room for a defender like him. So, yeah, it's interesting. We'll see. He's still under contract with Leeds. He's got another year. So, you know, there's no rush from anybody's point of view other than maybe Leeds making a decision at some point. So is that a decision for the summer, you think? Yeah, I mean, now there's only whatever many games he may not feature in any anyway. The interest is there. You know, Leeds are a good club to deal with for us in terms of um, there's transparency. So, you know, if, if they get inquiries, they let us know. If we get inquiries without them knowing, we let them know. So it'll be a, just be a joint decision, you know, make, make the right decision for the boy. Would you like to see him stay at Leeds and develop there? Or is it a case of finding an opportunity elsewhere? I think it depends who they see as in front of him. You know, that's not for, for me or to, to assess. That's up to the manager at the time. If we see there's three 
tried and tested central defenders in front of him, then there's no point in being on the bench waiting for minutes. You know, he suffered from that two seasons ago, really, where he was in between. He, he wasn't really playing for the 23s. He was always on the bench, but he wasn't getting any minutes. So um, it, it is all about getting those minutes. And do you think there's a possibility of signing a new contract and doing another year on loan to build up your minutes elsewhere with a view to breaking through at Leeds or is now the time he wants to be getting settled somewhere permanently? No, I, th- I don't think there's any rush. I mean, if if it was the right loan deal, then yeah, but we'd want the security of, of that extra year. You know, no point going into your final year on loan somewhere. And what about Jamie Shacks then? He's been down at Millwall. How's he been getting on? Yeah, it's, it's been frustrating for Jamie. Because uh, going back to what I said earlier about, you know, you have a valuable player who you know can contribute, not getting the minutes, but the side are winning. So they're firmly in a playoff place right now. You know, when he's come on, he's done really well, you know, and, and they've they've applauded that. And so has everybody else watching, but definitely not enough minutes this season for him. Uh, he's another one. He's got another year left at Leeds it's probably more that we need to try and work something out to, to get him a permanent, I would think. Future away from Leeds, probably, yeah, at this point. Yeah, I, I would think so. And and that's because he's of an age, I guess, now where he needs to be playing. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, he, he, he needs to be starting games. And he's good enough, you know, there for sure. The quality that he has hasn't diminished in any way. Sometimes you can tell, you know, if, if a player comes on for only 15 minutes, 10 minutes and they're all over the place and they're not involved in the game, then you know it's affecting them. That's not the case with Jamie. You know, he, he trains hard, works hard and does well when he gets on. Probably a bit of a frustrating year for Archie Gray as well because he was obviously in the mix pre-season. It looked like he was going to probably get a few minutes, maybe not Premier League, but certainly cut minutes, but he's been injured a lot. Is he? Where's he at the moment? Yeah, so he's, he's, he's back now in terms of he's injury-free again. You know, the international stage is big for him. You know, he's, he's well thought of and and plays games for, for England, obviously. It's really early for, for Archie. I don't think there's any frustration, pressure or anything else that he's not getting minutes in the first team. It's complimentary to be involved in the squad at that age. It's good that managers think of him. He trains with the first team. Everything's on track. And of course, he's just signed his first yeah, proper yeah. deal because he's, re- he's reached the age now where... Well, that's the, the case. That's the thing that kicks in, isn't it? Is the first yeah. full professional contract. That's right. He's, he's committed his, his immediate, medium term future to, to Leeds. And, you know, there was a lot of genuine interest from, from much bigger clubs, frankly, and clubs on the continent. But, you know, Leeds is where he wants to be. It's as simple as that. And presumably, Leeds is where dad wants him to be. Yeah, well, there's the <laughs> dynasty involved. Yeah, that's for sure. And great uncle Eddie and all the rest <laughs> yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah exactly. How is it then still trying to manage that? I know that when we've spoken in the past, we've almost, I don't know, tried to play down Archie Gray as a concept because we don't want to put too much on his shoulders when he's still, he's a teenager for God's sake, isn't he? And uh, he's carrying the legacy of the, of the family name. And and how are you still managing that now then, trying to just keep a lid on it all? I think we leave it all to Andy. You know, Andy's a very good agent as well as his father. So best of both worlds, you know, the family are, are all level-headed. They've all been there and done it. So it's completely relaxed, you know, in, in terms of that. And, and Archie himself, nothing's phasing him. He's calm as can be about it all. So just time will tell. He just has to keep doing what he's doing. So it's two and a half years he's got on his contract at the minute, is that right? Yeah. 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 So what, what does the next two and a half years look like for Archie Gray then in your eyes? I think, you know, you'd hope some minutes off the bench but then there'll be a, a sit down and a conversation in 
a year's time, maybe, about a, a sensible loan deal and then just construct it that way. You know, whatever's right, whatever's right for Arch in terms of his development. For him, it's still a developing career and he's got to, he's got to improve all the time. So it's finding him situations that make sure that he's improving. And, and how's he dealt with the injuries this year as well? There must be a huge frustration there when you're, when you're only that young and you can't play. Yeah, I think it's, it's more frustrating for kids. And again, fortunately, you know, you've got the experience around him to just calm him down at those points and impress upon him to do your rehab properly. You know, listen to advice, do what you're being told to do. Don't push it too early, you know, and then you can come back strong. Is there a tendency with young lads then who want to kind of cut corners or get yeah, back as soon as possible? Yeah, I think it's natural. It's human nature, isn't it? I yeah. mean, but the young ones in particular might disguise how they're feeling slightly. Medically, I'm talking about, you know, and, and exaggerate that they're feeling better sooner. But you've got physios, you've got all sorts of people assessing that and, and they, they will decide when the time's right. And you've got a lot of young lads on the books at the agency. Interested to know, is that a, a deliberate decision in terms of where you take the business and what is it that you get out of those lads that perhaps you don't get with senior pros or vice versa? Yeah, I think I think it's it's just the agency evolving, you know. More of the day-to-day uh, running in the agency, day-to-day contact with players is, is with, with the guys, not me. And we made a deliberate decision probably three years ago to go out and recruit younger elite players if we possibly could you know you are competing against the big boys the Stellas of this world and, and Wassermans and all the rest of it but we've always backed ourselves you know in those situations if we can get in front of parents as well as the kids then a combination of over a thousand pro games between Andy and Richard and 30 years as an agent with me it tends to work for us but but for sure we, we've completely reduced the average age of the players we represent and commercially that obviously makes sense because you know if they stick with you you you've 10 12 15 years of representing that player and growing with them when you're into a situation like that where you're almost pitching against other other agencies what is it that you're actually saying to parents and to players at that age i think it, there's a lot of reverse psychology really when we we, we get around the table so we're saying no we're not going to fly you to london and uh treat you to a five-star hotel, buy you a nice meal and tell us what price you need to for your kid to sign for us. It's like, we're not doing any of that stuff. So if you want to talk about football and, and career development, where the people, if you want all the other stuff for kids at an early age, we're not, we're not for you. And we've lost some really, really good players because of that. But long-term, stands you in good stead because I think if you do your job properly, we're tending to get players that are loyal. If, if, if the format that we've applied for 30 years applied, it still sticks, they're with you for the rest of the career, up onto management and all the rest of it. So there's a lot of short-termism in our game. Some of the bigger agencies have 20, 30, 40 staff, you know, scattered all over the country that they have to pay their wages for. So it's all about earning the money as, as quickly as you can. The Wassermans of this world have, have done it brilliantly. You know, I've, I'm not knocking them at all. I mean, They've built empires. They're global, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're they're, they're incredible. So, but it's there's always a a bit of pleasure if you know if we know it's between us and the big boys. And would you say are you a boutique organisation? A boutique. That's a fancy word. (laughs) I don't know if you look at me, Andy and Crazy together, (laughs) you won't call us boutique. (laughs) Uh, No. 
But it's interesting that you kind of do that. I find, I find it fascinating that, like, as Michael was saying, like when you, you sat down in a room and, and what do you think that filtering process does? If, you, if you're after the fancy things, if you're, if you're after the free watch, you're not for us. What, what does that sort out? I think for us, what it does, it does a couple of things. One, it tells us that if there's bad times ahead, that kid's likely to be grounded, you know, well-grounded if the parents are, are taking a sensible attitude to his first, probably the first agency, it'd be the first time they've signed a contract. And you know then that you're getting the type of player we're sort of known for, which is, uh, you know, seven, eights out of tens every week. You know, if they're going to be in the news, it's back page, not front page, all of that stuff. And also, because we can only contract them for two years at a time, every two years we have to renew. If you're getting somebody who's on the ask from day one, you know for sure that in year two, if, he's, if, if his son has progressed, or her son, they're going to be on the ask for even more again, and they'll tout them around the market. Well, you know, we're a sort of bit long in the tooth to be bothered with all that. I mean, a great example is young Chris Moore and his dad, you know, really sensible bloke, well-grounded, the time had come to, to to choose agents and I know you know they spoke to several and and it worked on that basis not just because we were local or anything else but and and that's worked out well you know Chris is, is flying right now and that's because he's got good people behind him in terms of his family uh, and just getting on with it and you know the, the thing we're trying to tell the parents is look don't get hung up about the money because if your boy's as good as we all think he is Without fail, you know, every time we've had a player that's done well, the first thing he's done is, is pay off his mum's mortgage or his dad's mortgage. You know, that, that money and more will come to the parents because that's what kids are like. The money's inevitable these days, isn't it? If you, even if you can be a mid-level championship player, yeah. you earn a fortune, don't you? Yeah, without a doubt. You know, it's, you can make a good career for yourself, just, I'd say, championship and above. Your mum and dad won't have to worry about anything, for sure. I mean, we've spoken in the past... Um... The fact that you were, you were Gary Speed's agent and friend as well, and obviously the, the passing of of Gary had a really profound effect on you, and it's had a knock on effect into the work you do with the young professionals as well. And you, you're very much geared towards, I guess, almost pastoral care, mental health care, aftercare, even in the case of of these kids who, who don't make it, who get released from the system too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a big part of, of what we're doing. I think it's it's one of the, one of the selling points as well. You know, being Brutally honest. I mean, we have um, all of our all of our players have access to an elite performance coach who also d- deals with some of the mentoring issues. Always by permission from the the club that is at because it's, it's physical work as well as mental work. But yeah, we've all all three of us and, and Jack Turnbull, who's a young lad that works with us as well in, in identifying players. We're all very conscious of that mental health thing. You know, we'd be I think we'd be seen as such hypocrites you know, following Gary's death and the things we've said and done and got involved with it if we just let that side of things slip. And so what sort of things are you, are you doing for these these young lads then at the minute? So so it's more, the, the key thing for us is identifying, you know, as early as possible if there's a problem. It doesn't come to light if everything's going well. So the youngest of them all, or, or most of the young players, it's as mechanical as that them, them completing a, a daily log, really that they, they submit a one-page, two-page summary of their day and they get used to knowing what to put in that and not put in that. And after a time, subconsciously, the things that they're possibly worried about are identified. So we can see patterns, uh, behaviour, uh, you know, various other issues, and then we can intervene at whatever stage we feel is appropriate. We're fortunate, again, we've access to a, a top 
cognitive behavior therapist who gives us all his time. So we get one-to-ones, you know, instead of this, well, you could get a referral and you get 30 minutes initial session on a telephone, but it's capped at six. You know, you can't have more than six cents, which is something that I'm not saying the PFA do, but that's sort of the route. It's, it's far more personal. And of course it can be because we're only looking after a smaller number of people. At what age are kids getting agents, generally speaking, these days? Um, well, it's 16, really. So, you know, people are out there talking to, to kids younger than that, but that could be seen as grooming mm. at the time. So it's a delicate subject and, it, and, it, and it's difficult, you know. So, but the year of their 16th birthday, you, you can literally sit with the parents, you can sell your wares, and you can actually get them to sign a contract with the Guardians. But at that point... For the majority of players, their future is still somewhat unknown, isn't it? Because they've not been offered pro terms. And I know for yeah. the odd one that really stands out, the sort of pre-contract stuff in place, isn't it? But for the majority, it's at that point, it's wait and see, isn't it? And see how the next year yeah, goes. Yeah, it, it is. And then, and obviously, from a commercial point of view, for us, what we, you know, what we're trying to do is identify the best at that age group. So it's pretty inevitable that the ones we're talking to will either have already offered, been offered a, a pro or are going to be offered a pro. So you're talking about the other two in the business there, besides Jack, was it you said? So you're talking yeah. Richard Cresswell, you're talking Andy Gray, names yeah. that'll be familiar to, to Leeds fans. You're spending a bit more time working in acquisitions, so the financial side of it as well. Leeds United in an interesting moment, aren't they, at the minute? If yeah. if we stay up, we know that it's likely that the, the 49ers Enterprises will will take over at Leeds. Do you think that that's needed at the minute, the, the, the level that Leeds are at? Yeah, I think so. But uh, largely, I'm not saying that and I don't, I don't know that it will necessarily lead to a big influx of masses of cash for us because I don't think it will. I think that you know the way they run their, their enterprise business is is pretty shrewd. It's it's not the Forty Niners as well. No, it, it is their their business arm. So they're they're likely to be quite shrewd. I don't think we'll have loads of cash, but I think we just need to freshen it up a little bit now. I think if you take if you take Andrea's tenure overall, he's put us in a good place. You know, I don't think anybody can argue that. But has he now got either the will or the worth to try take us to the next steps, assuming we stay in the Premier League? Yeah, I think he's made it pretty clear that for all the right reasons, it's time for someone else to step in. So you know, I've, I've no, there's no objections really in terms of the way they're doing it and then the way it's panning out. Not a great week for the ownership though, with the uh, the John Kevin Augustine stuff all coming out. Yeah, I uh, again, without being a lawyer involved with it, it, it's still a bit mind-boggling to me that I can see the judgment against us for the transfer fee. Uh, I sort of get that. I don't get at all a judgment against us to play up uh, the contract of the player. You know, had he never played again, had he been left in limbo, had we insisted on keeping his registration, which is is one of the things you can do. Mm. But you know we've released his re- registration. We've allowed him to continue his career and play football and everything else. It is just mind-boggling now that some of these decisions play out. And I think Leeds have learned not to contest anything that they think they might ultimately lose because that, in the long term, has cost them even more money. So the fact that they're contesting it, uh, uh, you know, leads me to believe they think they've got at least a decent case in challenging this. Mind you, they contested the initial decision, didn't they? So. Yeah, well, yeah, that, but that's what I mean. So why would they put themselves in that position yet again? If yeah. they think that it's, they're on the hiding to nothing, don't, just don't spend the legal fees and write the cheque. 
I guess, it, I guess it maybe kicks the payments down the road a little bit if they're looking at a change of ownership. I oh, suppose yeah. would be a cynical way of looking at or, it. Maybe, or even, but... you know, even if it's a couple of million in legal fees, it's cheaper than forty, isn't it? <laughs> but if if you if if you know if you're acquiring the club, and I, I don't know what conversations are being held, if this is new information that's been brought to light and was outside due diligence because nobody expected it, then the terms of the acquisition might slightly change because it'd be okay. Well, if we're standing this. Was it twenty odd million or something mm. like that? Then that's coming off the price. Just in terms of other um, kind of player movement stuff, what did you make of Jack Harrison's almost move? How did in terms of both what the club were doing and how that affects a player and how you deal with that as an agent if you've been told that your player might be leaving, but then is essentially pulled back at the last minute? I think again that that situation was was weird. I mean, we had a one on a smaller scale connected with Leeds, where suddenly on the I can't remember what day it fell, the last day of the window. Was it a Friday? I can't remember. But suddenly, two days prior to the end of the window, deals that were never going to be done, that the, the player didn't want, Leeds United didn't want, and everything else was suddenly back on the agenda. It was like a, a mad rush to get some money into the club by the end of deadline. And I think Jack fell part of that, that, that there was two distinct camps, really. <laughs> there was the football side of things, that didn't want him to go. It was Jack, who I believe didn't want to go at all. From his agent's point of view, you know, I know he's got he's he's got a good agent who, who long term I don't think wanted Jack to go either. And they've signed a contract, so that would point to you know. So so it was it was a not wanted move by a lot of people. But whoever was dealing with the money side or, or wanting to look at balancing books or not even balancing books, but just get cash in suddenly push that forward but then you know I, th- I think there was you know the, I think there were arguments ongoing and everything else and and really it, re- it resulted in that last minute turnaround Do you think that's all a symptom of the fact that we're kind of in limbo we've got this 56-44 split of the ownership we're in this transitional period awaiting new owners mm. to complete fully some disagreements about what the bottom line looks like who knows Yeah I think it complicates matters doesn't it because it's you know, what is at that level, at a 20 odd million pound fee, what's the decision process that who are we waiting for and who's going to give the answers and who who has the final say? Uh, and it's a bit, it seems a bit clouded. It might not be, but it seems a bit clouded. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Onto the game, not at the weekend, after the weekend, Monday night football against Liverpool. What do you think Leeds United need to do in that fixture? Is it react, bounce back from that palace shambles? Yeah, it'd be good to have a an easier, in inverted commas, game, <laughs> wouldn't it, to, to bounce back. But 
they're, they're not exactly ripping up trees themselves. They always won, obviously. So that, that works against us. But yeah, I, I think it's what people will look for first and foremost is, is sort of a resilience at the back and tighten up at the back, given that we conceded that many goals and then take, you know, see how we go from there. For me, it's a point that'd be great. Uh, and I think it's achievable. And what about the team? Would you make any tweaks to the lineup? You know, from what you've seen in recent weeks, because we had the same side out, didn't we, against Palace yeah. and Forest? I think the big pressure is on Luke, isn't it? And I can see all the reasons for keeping him in and starting him, because you you don't like to bail out at, the, at, at this point. And you know, have we got a ready-made right back that's that's going to give us the pace that he's lacking? And I don't know that we are. That would be one position, possibly. I think obviously people you have know, gone to with people wanting him to start, but then again, you know, who, who do you change him for right now? Not sure. You talk about Jack again, you know, Jack, Jack's the, it's that good or bad, isn't it? There's no, there's no in between. Second half, awful. First half, yeah, looked like he could have a field day. So I think he'll, he'll possibly be in the, this calm influence that, that, that he is. I could see him starting with the same side. Mm, try and repair it, I guess. Mm. Yeah. What do you make of Willie Nonto as well, from an agent's point of view in particular, how he sort of just quietly sailed under the radar? Because Victor Orta's taken a lot of pelters and some might say justifiably so for some of the stuff he's done. Nonto looking like an absolute tick in the win column. Genius move, isn't it? <laughs> but, but yeah, I absolutely love him. I think in every way, you know, if if, if you wanted your, your ideal player to, to manage as an agent, Willie would be one because... Yeah, he's he's always got that big smile on his face. He's ex, he's he's exciting as a footballer. Everybody loves him. You know, though, though he's he's just got everything. You know, and if if you're starting in the Italian squad, if you're actually starting, which he does, you know, for for Italy, you've got something about yourself, haven't you? Well, what do you make of the career path then? Like opting out of like was it Inter Milan's academy that he was mm-hmm. at? Is that right? Yeah, and then and going to play in, in Switzerland. Yeah, I think th- I think it shows that whoever he's got with him. It, uh, uh, making the it, we talked about earlier making those career decisions not the most obvious one but step backs to go forward all of that stuff minutes minutes and game time and you know that's that's happened for him what what we need to sort of be careful of a little bit is how we balance that you know with with making sure he gets minutes for us as well I was going to ask about that what do you think of the way that they're using him at the minute because it feels like we were almost single-handedly relying on him when Marsh was here and then Javi's kind of just pulled him back a little bit and keeping him on the leash a bit? Yeah, I think, again, I think that's a wise move for me because you've seen these young players burst onto scenes and then get burnt out early because so much pressure is put on them. And it's not so much pressure. They don't, I, don't, I don't believe that young players sort of feel pressure as such. It's, it's just logically, they can't be wonderful for every minute of 90 minutes. So if you're playing, you know, every single game at 90 minutes for a struggling team, which which is is us, you know, as a striker or winger, then you're gonna have more bad times than good in those minutes. But when you're good, you're really good. If if his minutes are reduced to a reasonable, not 10 minutes cameos, but 40 minutes, you know, 35 minutes and all that, he, he's a true impact player. You know? And are you keeping him fitter as well? Are you keeping him a bit sharper? Or yeah, or... he looks like he looks like he could. Yeah. Run forever though, doesn't he? I, don't, yeah, that's I, true. I, I, just, I just can't see fitness being well. Say I can't see actual fitness being a problem for him. That's not talking about injuries because that you can't account for those. I've enjoyed seeing how disappointed he is when he's taken off. Actually, 
it looks like he just loves playing football. And yeah. when, he's, when he comes off, you can see he's a bit like, oh, yeah. I, was enjoying, I was enjoying that out there. Yeah. And how he celebrates goals off the bench. Mm. <laughs> he just <laughs> loves it, doesn't he? just yeah. wants to be involved. It's funny, isn't it, what you were talking about how young players don't really feel pressure. Do you think it sort of seeps into them in a kind of quiet way? I think it's, without being too philosophical, it's, it, it's like life in general, isn't it? You know, you, you start off young, brave, couldn't give a fuck about anything, you know, and they are as players exactly the same. And then the older you get, the more mature you're supposed to be and the more mature you <laughs> supposed get, to the more you start to worry about shit. And, the, and it's, it's just a natural progression of age, really. They're fearless, these kids. And there's something admirable in that, isn't there? It's brilliant. Just de- dealing with that kind of... It's like the essence of life, isn't it, really? Like, when you say getting philosophical, you just see a young lad in Willie Nonto having the time of his life, but then you also see photos of him going on his driving lessons and you think, oh, yeah, yeah. God yeah, bless, God exactly. bless that lad. It's brilliant to see, isn't it? You know, it's, it's, um, he's like a breath of fresh air, you know, just the fact he's around the place and just gets everyone, one of those players, isn't it? Gets everybody off their feet when he comes on. And as an agent, are you... Um, are you knocking on Victor Otter's door asking for improved terms already? Uh, for? Uh, for Nonto. If I was his agent? Yeah. Uh, I'd probably hold my powder dry. I think they would expect that. Who leads would? Yeah. But oh. I, I think I'd hold my powder dry and let them come to me. Okay. That's interesting. <laughs> what, let's see what they offer. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's it's like everything. If you play your cards too early, then, you know, it's all part of the negotiating situation. There comes a time if you're frustrated for your player, and, and, you know, it warrants it, then you, you go knocking a door down. But nine times out of ten, if that player's doing well, if that agent knows that there's half a Europe watching, we got him at a very reasonable price. So it's Leeds United as a club that'll feel more pressure than the agent or the player. You know, it's, <laughs> you just keep doing your stuff and it'll come. I love it. There's a little twinkle in your eye like, about this, this kind of doing, doing this dance with the clubs. Yeah. I mean, there must be dozens of clubs across Europe who are having... Chairman having conversations with the head of recruitment, going, "What, what about this guy? Why, yeah. why did we miss him? He was, he was virtually free in the modern game." You've, you've, you've summed it up, though. But and that's the dilemma you have with Victor Arta, don't you? There'd be many a club talking about sacking Victor Arta if he's going to cost us forty million quid total for Augustine. But at the very same time, there'd be many clubs giving Victor Arta a rise for finding Rafina and Gonto at the prices they do. So it, it's a real. You know, it's a dilemma, I would think, right now going on in terms of Victor and his position. And Victor himself, I'm sure, is just feeling the criticism right now. Yeah, you, well, you can tell it in the way that he's conducted himself in the in the stands. And, you know, I've got a certain amount of sympathy in the fact that he is human, no matter which way you dress it up, no matter what your opinion is on his professional abilities. I think, you know, you only look at Twitter, don't you? And, and it's a real divided camp. It, I don't think it's... Um, it's everyone wants him out or anything anymore. I think there's a lot of balance now. People saying, okay, well, let's look at it over his whole tenure and see if he's still in credit or not. He's running out of credit to a certain amount. But yeah, you've just got to be careful what you wish for, these sporting directors. I mean, look at Spurs. You know, Spurs got the man that everybody felt was going to be the next best thing in terms of sporting directors. And he's now banned from global football, which he's contesting. But it's difficult. You know, there's not many who you could say, right, look at that sporting director. He never makes a mistake. It was Howard Wilkinson who famously said, if you get a 40% hit rate on players, then you're doing well. Yeah. When um, It was when Moscow spoke to him for uh, for the film, wasn't it? It was, yeah, yeah. do you want to win? Yeah. So with that in mind, are we, are we being, are Leeds fans unfair to Victor Orta or 
does he have to shoulder some of this? I mean, because you look at like Ruta, for example, and if you could single him out as an example, this is nothing about Ruta as well. I'm sure he's going to be a really good player. He's shown some really good flashes, but with 30, 35 million quid to spend, it's been pointed out over the last few days that would it have been better directed at a different centre half? I mean, we are, we always we're always talking with the benefit of hindsight, aren't we? But it seems like a strange move for a club that I don't think is flush with cash to go and spend that on a on a forward that's going to be something of a slow burn. I think you know, I, I can't put myself in in Victor's shoes. His recruitment seems to be all part of building a future, as opposed to dealing with instant issues. And I think you know it's. That's why they're younger players, you know, but those players have a price in Europe, unfortunately. You know, if, if you're a goal scorer or you're this or that, there's a price. And if you don't, if we don't pay it, someone else does. So it's all part of, okay, how much of the medium term plan is this particular player going to be? So I don't think Rutter was signed to be the fill-in for an injured Bamford or Rodrigo or anything else. I, th- I think he was part of the plan that, gave us a squad of really capable, talented, international level, younger players. The problem with all that is that, you know, we perhaps can't afford those luxuries when you're in relegation scraps. So if we were mid-table and building, for me, they'd be brilliant signings because I think that, I think Rutter's a really talented footballer and, and his time will come for sure. You know, if it's not with us, we'll be embarrassed to see him go somewhere and do really well. But, we can't afford luxuries at the moment. That's the big problem. Do you know, I'd like for Ruta, and I don't know if you agree, for him just to have one moment this season, one season-defining moment where he bags a really good goal and it wins us a game or so, just something like that. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, why not start on Monday, you know? Yeah, come yeah. off the bench and score a goal. Nice, wasn't it? Yeah, just so he's got that in his locker and everybody can kind of go, ah, he's helped us win. We see the point of him. We'll be fine in future. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's difficult. I mean, the only, you know, this is the problem. The only time we've been able to really go, oh, I see it, was, you know, when you're in that away end at Accrington, you know, and he's playing on the, on the wing right next to you and you see everything he's doing and thinking, wow, he's going to be some player, but, you know, it, that's against Accrington, isn't it? Yeah. And he's not at his opportunities in a, a, a better level. I've got a degree of sympathy for Arthur because the signings we're trying to make are clearly trying to push us to that next level and you can, the reverse of buying Ruta for 35 million can be that you buy like Wolves bought Craig Dawson, who, you, who I guess they signed on a few-year contract, so then you're stuck with Craig Dawson for a few years. Now, is Craig Dawson in three years' time still worth having? I guess the issue Potentially is... Potentially not. It's as Hayden pointed out, it's, it's the now, isn't it? It's the here and yeah, now. But it's, it's whether or not you're constantly having to buy players to keep you up, or whether you're trying to buy players to take to the next level, and getting the balance between those two is difficult when, you, when you're dealing with a limited amount of and cash. I, and I, I guess especially when the margins are so fine between 12th and 13th and... 20th in the table it's, it's a yeah. mad season for that and it? buying footballers is really difficult when not many of us in the championship saw Kiko Kassir as a bad sign and everyone went okay really experienced been at Real Madrid must have something about him he's just got he should have a level of organisational skill and stuff that will bring calm to the defence as it was it was chaotic it was horrible he conceded at his near post every game that was aside from the, the obviously the racism stuff that kicked off then there was also when we signed Augustin everyone went Looks brilliant. He scored all these great goals. He's been at, he's been playing in the Bundesliga. We scored goals there. He's been in the Champions League. He was outscoring Mbappe in the France under twenty team or under nineteen team, whatever it was. There was loads of stuff on paper that suggested he would be a great signing, but then he turned up and we actually saw the reality of it. And you think, hmm, <laughs> okay, 
<laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe on paper this was a better signing than in reality. It's di- it is difficult because you know uh, three quarters of the recruitment process now is data analysis. You know, so I would think there's not one signing we've made that the data was negative about. You know, mm. it was all huge positives and all the reasons why you should go and spend the money. But it's you know people forget it's t- nine times out of ten it's it's a youngish guy moving away from his country, not just his home, for the first time in a different league, for a different style of football, in a different environment, some fold. You know, it's just mm-hmm. a, just human nature and the, no amount of data analysis is going to prepare you for that. And the problem with data there is that if you accumulate a load of good data in the Austrian league, say, is that then transferable into the Premier League where players are just better? And it's not. No. It's just not, you know, and it's the same, it's exactly the same thing with, I know there's a lot of push at the moment, you know, from Leeds fans. Why Why are we, you know, Cody Drama's doing this, that and the rest and Cody Drama, you know, should be given his chance. But there's just a massive step up between playing well for, for Cardiff and Luton and coming and playing against Liverpool on Monday night. I know at some point they have to make that step. But it's just not set in stone that because you're doing well in the Championship or the Austrian League, you're going to do well in the Premier League. It's it's just a different class altogether. What do you think to Monday night then? What needs to happen? I mean, obviously, we'd love to see a Leeds win. You said a point would be good. Is it going to be the season definer or is it the games that follow, do you think? I think if if we'd won against Palace, we'd be talking about this one as a free hit. So obviously, the, the, the points deficit mean that, that it's it's clearly important. I don't think it's a season decider at all. I think I'd love the, the, the sort of the, the sentiment in me would would love for us to stick to what we were doing, treat the 45 as a blimp, come through that Liverpool game with a bit of pride and everything else, which then leads us to know that we're we're moving in the right direction. If suddenly there were wholesale changes in in squad or the way we play we're sort of back to square one. We're, we're going, oh, no, now we're on plan B or C. I was going to say, it's what Bielsa always used to say about plan A, wasn't it? If you suddenly revert to plan B, C or D, mm. then it signals to the players that actually, I didn't really have much faith in what I was yeah, doing. Then. What, it was it, yeah. what was I talking about? What, yeah. You know, like for, for Grass here, it'll be, there'll be question marks about what they've been drilled, what 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 all the work at the, the academy's been about if suddenly it all has to change. So, I mean, he does change from opponent to opponent that's what I do like about him he's, he's not all set in stone but overall I'd, I'd like us to sort of just try and hold our nerve stick stick to what we're doing and, and hopefully come through it There's the bizarre factor at this season at this point in the season as well of pressure from other games particularly with playing after them because you look at the fixtures on paper and you say well Leicester away at Man City that's probably a defeat Forest at home against Man United that's probably a defeat Southampton have played Palace at home they need to win that so if, if out of those games they all lose, it does feel a bit like it becomes a free hit on Monday. If, however, there's a win pulled out of there by Forrest, it just completely ups the pressure on it and you think, all of a sudden you're thinking, well, hang on now, we do we need yeah. to get something out of this. But then you look at, you've got Fulham, Leicester, Bournemouth, the next three after Liverpool and, and that's the that's the run, isn't it, there before Man City and Newcastle. That's crucial because that, that last three, four games for us is, is awful. You know, we don't want to be down in mm-hmm. that bottom three going into them last what are our last three so we've got Man City away then we've got Newcastle at home followed by West Ham away and then Tottenham at home yeah you know you don't want to be sat in the bottom three going into those yeah so if we keep our head above water 
if in that three game spell we can pull away from it a little bit yeah. even if you've got three four points it's a, it's a huge turnaround at this point yeah, in the season because wins don't come easily and the, and the problem is you can't rely on those other results because look look at what happened the other weekend when you know suddenly Bournemouth beat Liverpool won it or whatever have you enjoyed this season at all Aidan? Uh, I have I've, I've enjoyed I've enjoyed since Gracia came I've enjoyed the football I've enjoyed watching the football up until Palace yeah I have to be honest I've, I, you know I was sort of going through the motions, you know, with Jesse, it was get on the Gareth White's bus, go to a game, have a few drinks, come home. Not really excited about anything. Like it was for about 15 years in the <laughs> Yeah, yeah, a little bit <laughs> like time. that, really. Um, but since he came, I've, I've actually looked forward to, to getting down there and going to games and definitely got a buzz back again. And I'm, I dare say it's another, what would you say, says it's seven weeks till it all finishes again. And we'll all, yes, we'll all say, thank God that's over. And, you know, fingers, toes crossed. Even if we did did go down, you, you start to get that creep, wouldn't you, as it got around to July and you're thinking, ah, should be a good season if we yeah, yeah. We'll be up at the top end of the championship or sure. we hopefully will have a, a better situation at Ellen Road by then where we're, uh, we're everything's just calmed down a little bit and there's a plan in place. Yeah, it's it's just, it's all about being a Leeds fan, isn't it? It's, that's why, they, what is it, 98% season ticket renewals? Can, what's, the, what's the word? Um, is it Stockholm Syndrome? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People just addicted to it. We've come to love our captors too much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hayden, thanks a million for coming on. It's always a pleasure um, yeah, no to, problem to chat that. football with you. And a reminder that you can uh, sign up for The Athletic. Theathletic.com forward slash Leeds pod. Back with the Phil Hay Monday Club over on the Square Ball podcast feed. 15 minutes on Monday where we'll catch up with Phil. They'll probably be ahead of uh, the Liverpool game. We'll find out what he thinks of all that. And we'll speak to you soon. The Phil Hay Show. 